Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, I love radio. Since I was a teenager in Philadelphia, back WCAU talk radio days, I always wanted to give a shot at talk radio. Then I gave it up and wanted to law and so forth. But I love it. I love this medium. Why? Even more than television or any other. Because if you have substance and you have a few IQ points and you take your time to work things out each and every day, you can really make the best of this format. And my wife will tell you, she'll see me sitting there thinking, taking notes and say, this is what you're supposed to do if you're a conservative talk radio host. It's important We have hundreds of affiliates, millions of listeners who are relying on us. Not to just come in and look at websites or watch Fox, which I love, and just... No, think things through. Now, when you write a book, it's much more intimate. And I have to say, it's much more professional. Now, what do I mean by that? If you put something in a book and it's not your own original idea, you better put the name of the source. And you should. Why? Because it's ethical. Why is it ethical? Because somebody else used their brain power or took their time, their labor to do the research, and you ought to give them credit. It's not a matter of patting somebody on the back. It's a matter of respecting the reader, or in radio's case, respecting the audience. Now, on this show, because I respect you, we spent a lot of time talking about the fact that the Democrat Party 
is a party of slavery, segregation, and on and on and on. And I raised the point many weeks ago that if we're going to ban statues and ban things related to slavery, we must ban the Democrat Party. Now, we're not going to pull the clips up. You can go to the Mark Levin Daily Recap. It's there, right, Mr. Producer? Over and over again. And it's, it's a movement. It's something that I'm going to keep pressing because they have no answer for it. And as I've been saying, and I said weeks ago, the Democrat Party is worse than any single monument. And it lives. I also said here, I also said on Fox, I also said on Levin TV, all my platforms, that this election is seminal. We had the election of 1860, seminal. The election of 1864, the two most important elections, and now the third, 2020. And we've talked about it. This is akin to 1860 and 1864 elections, which led me to the third point. You cannot run a campaign this time around simply based on tax cuts or this policy or that policy. We've talked about that. Remember, I went back to liberty and tyranny. This has to be a campaign that we stand for American traditions, American institutions, the Declaration, the Constitution, the rule of law, and so forth and so on. Whereas the other side stands for the opposite. We talked about that. And so it's being regurgitated all over the place. This is good in a sense. It's not good in that somehow this industry, this business, has to become more ethical among its broadcasters. But I don't think it will. And then finally... The fourth thing, I've got my notes, I pulled them up. Education. Several weeks ago on Fox, on Levin TV and behind this microphone, I've been explaining what's going on in our colleges and universities. And it's not the first time, obviously, I wrote an entire book on it called Plunder and Deceit. That said, we've delved into this issue. We have delved into school choice, something I've been involved in with Landmark Legal Foundation and litigating for 20 years. That it's the new civil rights issue. It's really an old civil rights issue. And we've talked about that. So these are four crucial areas. Which I usually address these big issues in the first hour. Because they're on the top of my mind. There's something I've been thinking about. And it's something I want to get across so we don't run out of time. Now other people are talking about this. Good. But I would encourage them. Start thinking and using your noggins to think about other issues on your own. Spend the time as a professional broadcaster to get into the substance and think things through and provide something unique and compelling because the country needs it right now. Don't just be parrots. I mean, I'm flattered by it, but it's not good enough. And I'm going to give you another example right now. I told you last night, this is all BS, and it is. The President of the United States, according to a leak to the New York Times, was aware, or his administration was aware, that Vladimir Putin and the Russians were paying, uh, I guess, terrorists and the Taliban to assassinate American soldiers. Something to that effect, right, Mr. Producer? And isn't it amazing how quickly the Democrats seized on this? As if they knew all about it in advance. And then we get a follow-up story. 
Now, the, the Pentagon says, we don't know anything about this. President is top people's... President wasn't informed about this. Well, that's even worse. Even worse. A dereliction of duty, Joe Biden says today. What's a dereliction of duty? Now, it's been explained over and over again, but it doesn't matter that there's intelligence and there's intelligence. Some of it's good, some of it's misinformation, some of it's just a mistake. And so the various intelligence elements of the federal government have to get together, go over the information, and try and determine whether it's accurate or not. They look at their various sources, different aspects of espionage that are taking place. They check with their human uh, sources. In the co- so you've got to figure it out. And it's about thousands of pieces of intelligence that come in from all over the world. But it doesn't matter. Because now we have another scandal. Well, what is it? It's nothing. Zero. Nothing. As if this president would get intelligence that the Russians are paying to kill our soldiers and do nothing. But I also want you to think about this. Are we at war with the enemy, Mr. Producer? Isn't the point that they want to kill our soldiers? Isn't the point that we want to kill them before they kill us? The whole thing doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. It doesn't matter. Remember Russia collusion, that lie went on for two and a half years. And every senior person in the Obama administration knew it wasn't true. Adam Schiff knew it wasn't true because he had testimony from them. The media knew it wasn't true. Mueller knew it wasn't true within three weeks. It didn't matter. They just kept at it. And they're going to keep doing this right up to Election Day. They're going to concoct one scandal after another. One white supremacist comment after another. And let me say this. Joe Biden truly is a racist. I'll say it. Nobody else will. Joe Biden truly is a racist. When you look at the history of Joe Biden, his comments about busing, not that he was opposed to it, his comments about it, and his comments with the, uh, uh, with the radio host, uh, whatever his name is, the black guy, what was his name? It doesn't matter to me. Charlemagne the God. It wasn't like Trump linked to something and then realized it was a mistake. Now, these words came out of Joe Biden's mouth. He didn't have to link to any. They came out of his mouth. Joe Biden said them. No mistake. And you and I are supposed to sit here and pretend he didn't say them. But Trump is a racist. But Trump had intel, but he didn't act on it. These people are our enemy. Understand? Not our adversary. Not just Democrats. Not just the media. Not just... They're our enemy. They seek to destroy what we hold dear. Look around you. Look what's going on. They're our enemy. The rioters are Democrats. The mostly peaceful protesters are Democrats. In the media, they're Democrats. The tenured Marxist professors register as Democrats. And everybody knows the party that is sold out to the Soviets, not even the Russians, the Soviets over the years, it's the Democrat Party. Whether it was FDR, Potsdam, uh, uh, FDR selling out Europe, whether it was Alger Hiss, uh, whether it was Ted Kennedy, or even Obama. You know, wait till after the election. Please tell Vladimir. Can't say that. The Democrats have always been soft on communism. Well, it's Nicaragua, Cuba, Soviet Union, Red China, Massachusetts. 
They're soft on communism. They undermine our military, just like they undermine our law enforcement. But now I want to raise another issue. The New York Times. While we're talking about banning things, shaming things, the New York Times should be banned. Not because it's a newspaper that I disagree with. Not because of its 1619 project, which is the greatest attack on American education in the history of education. Because it is a corporation that gave Abe and comfort to Adolf Hitler. The New York Times is a corporation. It's not some guy in the basement pumping out pamphlets. It is a major corporation. And we have people who are boycotting corporations. We have people who are pulling down monuments. We have people who are erasing names from history. I talked about the Democrat Party. I have for many weeks. But the New York Times, why does it exist? Why should any corporation, corporation, that sought to cover up the Holocaust exist? I understand this doesn't matter to black lives matter, but to some of us, Jewish lives matter. All lives matter. But when you have a mark on your record as a corporation that you worked to cover up the Holocaust, how is it that you can drive the news cycle in the United States? How is it that you are free to try and take down the President of the United States day in and day out? How is it that you're considered the paper of record? Why is it that I am the only person for years now and in writing that continues to point this out over and over and over again? And yet, even our own friends in the media completely ignore it. You know, there was a leak in the New York Times. The New York Times. Was the New York Times run by the Klan? From the late 1930s to 1944, when the New York Times were trying to cover up the Holocaust? I'm sure the Klan would have been thrilled with the New York Times. Was it run by American Nazi sympathizers? Much like Joe Kennedy Sr.? Because the New York Times did more to cover up the Holocaust than any other entity on the planet. Hitler didn't try to cover up what he was doing. He was bragging about it. And it was picked up by European media outlets. But not the New York Times. By the way, not the Washington Post either. But them another day. So with that kind of a record. Why do we even tolerate the New York Times? Shouldn't the New York Times be destroyed? It's not a free press. It's a propaganda machine. It is unequivocally true that the New York Times did everything it could to push the Holocaust to its back pages, to the extent it covered it at all, and that the owners of the New York Times wanted to keep it hush-hush. 
The New York Times is the enemy of the people. It's the enemy of the people around the world. It's the enemy of the Jewish people. It's the enemy of Americans generally. Can you think of a corporation that has done anything worse in the last hundred years? Worse than the New York Times Corporation? So the New York Times ought to be shuttered. Its people should be fired. And its name should never be mentioned again in good company. I'll be right back. Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. I've got more, not just on the New York Times, but let me finish up with the New York Times. 1984, Dr. David S. Wyman in his book, The Abandonment of the Jews, chapter and verse on how the New York Times covered up the Holocaust. As I say, I know it's not Black Lives Matter, but human beings, right? Sometime later, Emory University professor Deborah Lipstadt wrote a book with even new evidence called Beyond Belief. Beyond Belief. A third book, more recent. Uh, Northeastern University professor Laura Leff. Her book was called Buried by the Times. That's three scholars, three books, and no attention is paid to this. Mr. President, Mr. President, the New York Times says. Mr. President, the New York Times says. The media, according to the New York Times, according to sources by the New York Times, the New York Times. Then there was Walter Durani, 1932-1933. He was on Stalin's payroll. Stalin gave him a girlfriend. Stalin took care of his food and his travel. And he was writing propaganda pieces for the communists in the New York Times. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. This is the show the New York Times is afraid of. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Let me ask Joe Biden. Let me ask the Democrats. Let me ask the media. All one and the same. Let me just ask. Was Lincoln right when he shut down, or his Secretary of War shut down, nearly 300 newspapers that were sympathetic to the South or opposed to the North? Was he right to do that? Papers that were sympathetic to the South, which include slavery. Was he right to shut down those newspapers? I would ask the Marxists and anarchists dancing in the street with their red paint. Was he right? I would ask the overpaid athletes, the overpaid actors and actresses. Was he right? Because that's what he did. He shut them down. It was a civil war after all. The New York Times, which did its level best to cover up the Holocaust. The New York Times, which was the most important newspaper for Stalin as he was starving out the Ukrainians with Walter Durante. Look it up in my book or look it up on your own. He was Stalin's man in Moscow. He was a top correspondent for the New York Times. And yet we're to believe everything the New York Times publishes. The New York Times has hired, more recently, full-throated anti-Semites, full-throated bigots. And of course, the 1619 Project, they're very proud of indoctrinating your children in elementary school and middle school about the horrors of America and the horrors of white people. It's true. The New York Times. Why are we to believe the New York Times? The New York Times has a story that leaked to it just perfectly. Oh, my goodness. And the Democrats were poised. They were ready to pounce like they already knew about this. What was it? What was it? What was it? Oh, there was information that, that the Russians were paying for the assassination of American troops in Afghanistan. Or was the information vetted? I don't know. Did all the agencies agree to it? I don't know. Look, I used to work at the Justice Department. I used to see what they call code black information. You can't just give information to a cabinet secretary, let alone the president of the United States, that's not known to be 100% or close to 100% accurate because the president will make decisions, including military decisions based on that. Well, we have a scandal. He should have known. Should have known what? What was leaked to the New York Times? By whom? For what? We don't even know if it doesn't matter. But the Democrats have an issue. And so we're supposed to play defense. Folks, enough defense. They're the enemy. 
The New York Times is the enemy of the people. CNN is the enemy of the people. They are the enemy of the people because they don't tell the truth. They're not interested in objectivity. They're not interested in factual information. They abandon that, as I explained in my book, and others see it too. They're part of an anti-American political movement. And just as Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the Democrat Party use our Constitution to destroy our Constitution, so too do the media. There's an excellent piece, another one. That's two in two weeks in commentary. This one by Christine Rosen, and she explains that the new moralists have taken over journalism. It's an excellent piece. I said the same thing over a year ago. She's right, and I'm right. And what she points out is... Let's get into this a little bit. The New York Times op-ed page has featured contributions from Vladimir Putin. Oh, they must be in bed with the Pute. Pedophiles and the Taliban without a peep from the paper staff. So it might seem odd that an opinion piece by Senator Cotton was the one that would spur a professional revolt. But Cotton's op-ed argued for using the American military to help local police quell violent unrest in the wake of the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. In the eyes of hundreds of time staffers, the view shared according to one poll by three in five Americans could not be permitted. Black journalists at the Times claimed that the op-ed literally endangered their lives. Quote, running this puts black at New York Times staff in danger, many of them tweeted, a sentiment other journalists outside the Times endorsed on social media. 60 Minutes correspondent Wesley Lowry, who? Wesley Lowry, tweeted that Black Times employees, quote, deserve so much better than to have their own employer endangering not only their lives, but the lives of their friends and families and millions of Americans. This is over the Tom Cotton op-ed. He continued, America view from nowhere, objectivity obsessed, both sides journalism is a failed experiment. We need to fundamentally reset the norms of our field. The old way must go. We need to rebuild our industry as one that operates from a place of moral clarity. This is what he said. What they mean is leftism. E. Alex Jung of New York Magazine went one further, posting on Twitter that, quote, the entire journalistic frame of objectivity and political neutrality is structured around white supremacy. He later reveled in the news that op-ed chief James Bennett, white he, had resigned from the Times, tweeting, mediocre white men everywhere are shaking. You see all the racists and bigots that work for these newspapers and anti-Semites, too. But they all have one thing in common. They hate America and they hate you. As Atlantic contributing writer Jamel Hill described on CNN recently, journalism is not a profession of being friends. Journalism is a profession of agitation. For these reporters, the reaction and the removal of Bennett was seen as a bracing and welcome new wave of change for newsrooms. As the Times media critic Ben Smith declared, Lowry's view that news organizations' core value needs to be the truth, not the perception of objectivity, has been winning in a series of battles, many around how to cover race. In truth, the supposed moral clarity claimed by these new arbiters of how journalism should be pursued has led to muddled and in some cases hypocritical news gathering that is not compatible with fact-based journalism. A position of moral clarity assumes one already knows certain unwavering truths. Any questions asked will have emerged from those truths and be guided by them. And you can see this by the left-wing, ideologically-driven kamikaze reporters 
who attack the president when he has a press conference and slobber all over Joe Biden when he has a press conference every quarter year. In this view, objectivity is either a pretense or a lie, since the truth is already understood by those who have reached a state of moral clarity. Thus, it is seen as appropriate to downplay facts about the looting and rioting and the violence that were committed during supposedly peaceful protests, or to memory hold the efforts of reporters to shame Americans protesting extended pandemic-related lockdowns, who then praised those gathering in far larger crowds to protest police brutality. The defense, the truth of these events outweighs the tired and tiresome rules governing honest reporting. More clarity is also uncomfortable with nuance. Describing the reaction to a Times reporter's description of Michael Brown, who was shot by a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri in 2014, as no angel, Smith noted that, quote, it set off outrage on Twitter as a symbol of a style of journalism that seemed too ready to explain away police violence. But an exhaustive investigation by the Obama Justice Department found this characterization of Brown, although blunt, wasn't wrong. Brown attacked a police officer and was trying to seize the officer's weapon when he was killed. The mythology that arose around the event, including a claim that Brown had been shot in the back or that his hands were up, which sparked the enduring protest phrase, hands up, don't shoot, was based on a fiction, a.k.a. a lie. Likewise, moral clarity can lead its practitioners to ignore uncomfortable facts. Consider the violence and looting that occurred across the country in the wake of George Floyd's death. Asked for her thoughts on the subject on CBS News, Time staffer Nicole Hannah-Jones, this is the 1619 Project lady, she responded, violence is when an agent of the state kneels on a man's neck until all the life is leached out of his body. Destroying property, which can be replaced, is not violence. To use the same language to describe those two things is not moral. So you see, it's the New York Times again, ladies and gentlemen. Why isn't it shut down? can't be because of free speech and freedom of the press. It doesn't believe in either when it comes to anybody else. Now, this Hannah Jones is right that what happened to George Floyd was an appalling act of violence, and one nearly all Americans agree has revealed serious problems in policing. They're right. But she's wrong that the rioting and looting did not also result in violence. Some people have been killed as a result of the rioting and looting, including a retired black police captain who was shot while defending a business from looters. Many more people have lost their businesses and their jobs, some permanently. And it'll take some of the community's decades to recover from damage that was done. I don't think many of them will recover, frankly. It's not just what is happening right in front of us that our new moral arbiters wish to police. It's the language we use to describe it, she writes. The Associated Press Style Guide urged reporters to, quote, limit the use of the word looting in the reporting as it had racial overtones. Others raised similar objections to the use of the words thug and riot, which is why the New Yorker's David Remick referred to the lawlessness as an uprising. Policing speech in this manner is done not merely to shut down the use of inappropriate words. It's an attempt to make verboten certain ideas by eliminating distinctions and erasing inconvenient facts. The new moral clarity, as bracing as it may be for the journalists who pursue it, ultimately undermines the argument they're trying to present by embracing hyperbole over uncertainty. It's worse than rank punditry or naked partisanship, which at least concedes or reveals its motivations. It conceals complications and offers a false depiction of harsh realities. And if it's true as an activist whom Lowry quotes reportedly in the Atlantic article claims, 
that our current law enforcement systems, quote, were created to hunt, to maim, and to kill black people. And the police have always been an uncontrollable source of violence that terrorizes our communities without accountability, unquote. Then how do we explain another persistent fear in black communities? The violent gangs that terrorize law-abiding residents in their own neighborhoods. As Jamil Giovanni recently noted in City Journal, reformers and revolutionaries alike often struggle to accept the reality of persistent hardcore criminality among a minority segment of the black community. Not wanting to play into racist stereotypes, they refuse to distinguish the gangsters who terrorize black communities from the vast majority of law-abiding black people. As a result, crucial voices in these communities are not given space to tell their stories because doing so would complicate the morally clear narrative the journalists have already established, such as having this, this punk, the head of the Black Lives Matter, so-called, so-claimed in New York City, on a weekend show or weekend shows. Not the people who are li- literally living in these communities on a day-to-day basis and trying to work and trying to raise their families and get their kids an education. No, 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 no. They really don't exist, according to the media. In the 1970s, the new journalism pioneered by writers such as Tom Wolfe drew on personal observations and used some of the techniques of fiction to tell stories, transforming nonfiction narrative journalism in the process. Not necessarily in a good way. Today, Lowry and his peers practice a new moralism. And the consequences for anyone who just wants to know what's going on in the world are going to be parlous. But it's the ilk of Jay Rosen, a journalism professor, and there are many like him, who are pushing this new journalism. She calls it a new moralism. They call it community journalism or public journalism or social activism journalism. That's exactly what they're doing. You can't watch or listen to Chuck Todd without realizing he's one of those punks. Brian Stelter is one of those punks. Don Lemon is one of those punks. Fredo Cuomo, one of the punks. This is what we're up against. This is why the latest scandal involving Trump in the New York Times and CNN and Adam Schiff, and they, they can all go to hell. I'll be right back. Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. A 
By the way, I want to thank you for watching Life, Liberty, and Levin this past Sunday. It had the highest overall audience, Mr. Producer, on all of Fox the entire day. Morning, noon, and night. Now, this happens now and then, but nobody else mentions it. There's a site I love, Johnny Dollar, the cable site, not mentioned. It's not mentioned anywhere. So I'll mention it. If I don't mention it, it doesn't get mentioned. Not in the demo, overall, the biggest audience. And really, that's not even because of me. Number one, it's because of you. And, and number two, it's because of the guests. I let them speak. And they're very compelling guests. And we have more to come. Now, I'm going to prove to you, with another example, that Joe Biden is a racist, and he's always been a racist. You know, that may seem like a harsh term, but the, the left, the Democrats, the NBA, Hollywood... Media throw it around all the time when they talk about the President of the United States. And it's clear that guy didn't have a racist bone in his body. He was in the private sector his entire life. He hired a rainbow coalition of employees. Every color, every shade, every ethnicity, every religion. He's done more for African-American inner city communities in this country than Joe Biden has ever done in his 412 years in government. But I'm going to prove to you that Joe Biden's racism runs very, very deep, which is why he hopes Obama will save him. But Obama won't. He's incapable of it. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Well, the reporters who were at the Joe Biden, is that a press, what do you call that, when the, they're all selected in advance, his sort of Vladimir Putin-style press event. And since when did the Democrats hate the Russians, anyway? They have so much in common, besides. This is just a reminder. I mean, it is shocking to me. Joe Biden has a history of racist comments and racist actions. For, for all the reasons we just talked about, or I just read to you, and I've written about, the media could care less. It's Trump's tweet, which clearly he hadn't looked at the video. It was embarrassing, but it doesn't represent his 74 years of views towards African Americans. And yet, Joe Biden's comment to an African-American radio broadcaster, if you don't vote Democrat, you ain't black. Isn't that what he said, Mr. Producer? If you don't vote for him, you ain't black. Um, it's just more the same. Now, if we're going to pull down monuments that are 150 years old, 120 years old, and if we're going to scrape names off buildings, well, by God, the Democrats have nominated... A racist. 
And I want to remind you of what the man said. In 1975, not 1875, 1975. And he was taught, and, and National Pubic Radio picked it up, and still Obama chose him as his running mate. And now the Democrats nominated him. They have a tradition of nominating, well, not only racists, of course, they've nominated many people who aren't racist. But when you look back in the Democrat Party's history, they've nominated a crapload of racists. And I'm making the point that Joe Biden has been a racist and he really hasn't shaken it off. Now, in 1975, he opposed busing for racial purposes, as did many people. So that's not a particularly unusual position to hold. You had these, these, these courts who were forcing busing. Now, if he picks Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris believes in busing based on race. So I want people to understand that because she specifically condemned Joe Biden for his position against race-based busing. So you have to at least conclude as a rational matter that she supports busing for racial purposes. I don't even think LeBron James supports that considering he lives in a mostly white neighborhood. I'm just saying, the hypocrisy here is so unbelievable. So unbelievable. And if he picks Kamala Harris, you watch. The fact that she hammered him on this will never see the light of day. The fact that she supports busing for racial purposes will never be pressed. Because Joe Biden not only opposed it, that's not the point. It's how he described the black community. That's the point. And if you're an African-American out there, I want you to ask yourself a question. In all honesty, what in the world has Joe Biden ever, ever done in his 36-plus years in the Senate, eight years as vice president, to assist the people in these communities these largely majority African-American communities. What has he done exactly? What has he done? The reason you can't answer that is because you're not on his campaign staff, you're not filled with propaganda talking points, and the answer is nothing. Trump can point to half a dozen things. And yet you see the New York Times covering up the Holocaust, mouthpiece for Stalin. They want you to think Trump's the racist, And they also want you to think Trump, if he knew about Russians paying to assassinate American Jews, Trump would do nothing. Now, we know that's not true, but it doesn't matter. Constantly on our heels, constantly paying diva. I'm saying BS. You want to talk race? Let's talk race. The Democrat Party has a problem with race. Has a problem with anti-Semites. By the way, as a side point, I don't know what this is, this new uh, Fox entity. It has nothing to do with Fox News, per se. But they were going to run some show on or with or about Farrakhan, right, Mr. Producer? And they dropped it. Wisely so. And I was one of the people personally who objected to it. But they dropped it. And Jake Tapper's out there praising it, and the head of the Anti-Defamation League's praising it, and I... I have a question for you, ladies and gentlemen, and I just posted this on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. 
Is Jake Topper not aware that Al Sharpton, certainly in his past, was an anti-Semite and a bigot? Surely he is, right? Is he aware of Crown Heights and these other events? And yet, Al Sharpton is a host and a frequent guest on MSNBC. He was on the Morning Schmo and the Mrs. Schmo the other day. How can that be? How can we be pulling statues down that are 120 years old and there's Al Sharpton? A paid host at MSNBC. He should get the boot, right, ladies and gentlemen? Will the Democrat Party condemn Al Sharpton? No. They love Al Sharpton. How about Biden? No, loves Al Sharpton. Joy Reid, according to the press, she may get that 7 p.m. slot on MSNBC that Chris Matthews had. Her tweets in the past, homophobic, anti-Semitic, horrific. But Joy Reid's going to get a promotion, a primetime show? That's the word. Why is she there? I mean, I'm just applying the left standards. Why is she there? So what about Jake Tapper's hypocrisy? He's a fraud. I would oppose a Farrakhan show, and I did. But I also oppose Joy Reid and Sharpton. Why doesn't he? The Anti-Defamation League just got in bed with Sharpton. What's that all about? And then we have Talib and Omar in the House of Representatives, two full-throated Jew haters. May I say, I know most of you aren't Jewish out there. I'm just making a point. And the Democrats couldn't even have a resolution condemning Omar. And they're certainly not going to expel them, not even going to censure them. So Jake Tapper, until you stop being a buffoon and a hypocrite, you show some level of integrity, stop tweeting your stupid stuff. We all know Farrakhan is a disgusting pile of you-know-what, but why do you give a pass to other people? Because you're a Democrat, that's why. Sharpton's in. Joy Reid is in. We're not going to condemn them. That's why he didn't cover what happened, for the most part, in Fairfax, part of L.A., where the Jews were targeted by Black Lives Matter crowd, with a number of synagogues having anti-Semitic things written on their walls, including the swastika. If I didn't report that to you, ladies and gentlemen, thanks to Newsmax, thanks to Rabbi Berg and a few others, you wouldn't even have known about it. You wouldn't have known about it. The media are our enemy. The president's right, because it's not a press. It's not a free press. They're propagandists. Like any regime has propagandists, they're propagandists. And if they had their way, I would be off the air Talk radio would be off the air. Fox would be off the air. Even though Fox does more to provide, quote-unquote, the other position than any of these other networks do when it comes to conservatives or people who support Trump. Doesn't matter. Last time I checked, the Fox Corporation didn't hide the Holocaust. Conservative talk radio didn't hide the Holocaust. Last time I checked. Let me go on.
Biden's a racist. It's in his blood. He can't help it. It's in his DNA, as the New York Times would say. It's in Biden's DNA. You don't have to go back to 1619. Just go back to 1975. Cut one, go. There are those of we social planners who think somehow that if we just subrogate man's individual characteristics and traits by making sure that a presently a heterogeneous society becomes a totally homogeneous society, that somehow we're going to solve our social ills. And quite to the contrary, I think the concept of busing, which implicit in that concept is the question you just asked, or the the statement within the question you just asked, that we are going to integrate people so that they all have the same access and they learn to grow up with one another and, and, and all the rest, is a rejection of the whole movement of black pride. So stop. So he is reject busing aside, he goes beyond that. He's rejecting integration. I said he's rejecting integration. Now where's the rest of the world on this issue? He is rejecting integration. Bussing aside, his argument is more broadly put. And he tries to sound like Kennedy noticed too. He's from he's born in Scranton. Spent about three minutes of his life there. You know, I'm a Scrantonizer. Scrantonian. Because he wants to get the Pennsylvania vote. He'll be whatever he needs to be. But implicit in that concept, he says, is the question you just asked or the statement within the question you just asked. That we are going to integrate people so that they have all the same access and they learn to grow up with one another and all the rest. He's blown it off is a rejection of the whole movement of black pride. And as I explained the other day, no, it's not. You can be proud of your race and your history and your ancestry and your religion, and you ought to be. And you should be. You can have that pride and that identity. But as a civil society, as an American culture, the whole notion of a melting pot is what makes this a strong country. That's why... What BLM, the Black Lives Matter group, anti for the Democrat Party and the media are doing to this country is so damn shameful. Biden. The comments Biden is making are racist. And they were racist in 1975. Now, I understand it's not a tweet and a link to a video and a mistake by a pre- This came out of this man's mouth. And so far, there's only two people who've called him on this, Mr. Producer. Kamala Harris, who may be his running mate, and me. Go ahead. Rejection of the entire black awareness concept where black is beautiful, black culture should be studied, and a cultural awareness of the importance of their own identity. So I I want you to listen to this. This is more than busing. This is an argument for segregation. And he tries to be clever. He tries to paint it as, you know, this is the, the black is beautiful, the black culture movement, all the rest. No, 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 no. That has nothing to do with the quality of education in the schools. 
That has nothing to do with people eating at the same restaurants. That has nothing to do with people going to the same bathrooms, drinking out of the same water fountains. He's one step away from that. One step away from that. Hell, 1975, I was 17 years old, give or take. I knew that wasn't right. I knew this was crap. The things he sang here, nobody talked. Anyway, go ahead. Individuality. And I think that's a healthy, solid proposal. What's a healthy, solid proposal, you lame brain? See, he was always a lame brain. Now, I'm going to play it through. It's one minute without interruption. And you ask yourselves this question. Why are the media ignoring this? Why is LeBron James ignoring this? Why is Oprah Winfrey ignoring this? Why is Steph Curry ignoring this? Why is Greg Popovich ignoring it? Many of you don't know who they are. Basketball. Why did the Democrat Party ignore this? Pelosi, Schumer, go ahead. There are those of we social planners who think somehow that if we just subrogate man's individual characteristics and traits by making sure that a presently a heterogeneous society becomes a totally homogeneous society, that somehow we're going to solve our social ills. And quite to the contrary, I think the concept of busing, which implicit in that concept is the question you just asked, or the the statement within the question you just asked, that we are going to integrate people so that they all have the same access and they learn to grow up with one another and, and, and all the rest, is a rejection of the whole movement of black pride, is a rejection of the entire black awareness concept where... Black is beautiful, black culture should be studied, and a cultural awareness of the importance of their own identity, their own individuality. And I think that's a healthy, solid proposal. I think, sir, that you're the George Wallace of Delaware. You certainly were, and I think you still have this in your DNA. Hat tip, New York Times. If you don't vote Democrat... He's saying to African, you don't vote for me, what he really means, then you ain't black. And he said a lot between 1975 and 2020. And he gets a pass. Take heed for a day or two and they move on. Did you see what Trump tweeted? Oh my goodness. Biden has some explaining to do here. And so far there's not one damn reporter that confronts him. Jim Acosta's not going to do it. New York Slimes isn't going to do it. Because they're not media. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. No more defense. It's the Democrats who have to explain themselves on slavery and segregation. It's the Democrats who have to explain themselves on their new anti-Semitism. And the media along with them as the propagandists for the Democrat Party and the Praetorian Guard for their candidates. They're all frauds. You can see they're now open about it. They're out of the closet. They're not interested in objective news. We're not interested in, uh, in following facts. We have a moral obligation, ladies and gentlemen. We have a moral obligation. We're not just here as pass-throughs, you know. We don't just launder the news here. We've got to advance a cause. And what's the cause? And by the way, those founding fathers and the framers of the Constitution, I can tell you what they did for the country in terms of our liberties the Bill of Rights. What has the New York Times done for our liberty? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Plastic Conservative Fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. The Genesel Summer Blowout Sale is here, everybody, right now, right now. You can order the classic Genesel for bags and puffiness and the jawline treatment, and Chaminade will double your supply of both products for free. Here's what Beverly from Huntsville, Alabama had to say about Genesel. Oh my God, I love this product. I saw a difference second time I used it and recommend to everyone if they have a problem with their jawline. My daughter even told me I look younger than last week. Results guaranteed, or you simply get 100% of your money back. It's that easy. Hello, hello, hello. Results guaranteed, or simply get 100% of your money back. Order Genesel now, and Chaminade will double your order free for a limited time. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. And for results in minutes, the Genesel Immediate Effects is also free. Get double your order free, plus a surprise luxury gift. All orders today are upgraded to free priority shipping. Don't wait another second. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Now, I want to play a clip of Joe Biden for you. Um, some of you may have forgotten what his voice sounds like, given he's been the bubble boy for so long. And I want you to think, how would you respond to this? How would you respond 
to this. He's asked a setup question by one of the Praetorian Guard reporters, who, of course, is a kamikaze reporter when it comes to Trump. Cut six, go. So the idea that somehow he didn't know or isn't being briefed, it is a dereliction of duty if that's the case. And if he was briefed and nothing was done about this, that's a dereliction of duty. It's an absolute dereliction of duty. If every, any of this is even remotely true. So I think the president has a lot to answer for, and you get the answers quickly. So let's stop a second. So he learned a phrase, dereliction of duty, Mr. Producer. Say it, say it, Joe. They spent four, four days on Dereliction of duty. Dereliction of what? Duty. You know, duty. Dereliction of duty. Oh, okay. This is a guy that said the president had a lot to answer for on Russia collusion, too, remember? He's got no incentive whatsoever to try and rip Trump. Anyway, go ahead. Quickly. What consequences should he face if these allegations are true? Now, now you hear the question? <laughs> Doesn't this make everyone embarrassed for these people? What, what, what consequences should he face if this alleg- these allegations are true? Asking his opponent. Has Trump ever asked that about Biden? Or about anything? Let's listen. Go ahead. Reports are true. If, there, if these allegations are true and he did nothing about any of this, then, in fact, I think the, the, the public should, unrelated to my running, conclude oh, that this yes. man isn't fit to be president of the United States. Ah, for the hundredth time, he's unfit. But Joe's always fit to be president. So Joe starts out, so the idea that somehow he didn't know or isn't being briefed, it's a dereliction of duty if that's the case. And if he was briefed and nothing was done, that's a dereliction of duty. It's an absolute dereliction of duty, if any of this is even remotely true. So I think the president has a lot to answer for and should get the answers quickly. And so here's my response to Joe. Let me get this straight. In early January of 2017, you're sitting in a meeting with the president of the United States with the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, with the Director of the FBI, with a National Security Advisor, among others. And you suggest that they use the Logan Act as a pretext to violate the constitutional rights and to use the intelligence services and federal law enforcement to take out a three-star general. And you hear... Your boss, the President of the United States, Barack Obama, say, make sure you choose the right people. And then when you're asked about it subsequently, you say you're not aware of any investigation, and then you kind of correct and say, I'm aware of an investigation, but I had nothing to do about it. You're in the damn meeting. You're a co-conspirator. You're putting out ideas. And you don't remember. Don't hand me dereliction of duty, you dunce. You fraud. You hypocrite. You're the one who's unfit to be president of the United States. In addition to your racism. And did you hear him today, Mr. Producer, on the coronavirus? He's got all the answers. I'm listening to him and I think... What exactly would he have done that's much different than what Trump's doing? I couldn't even... I would have started earlier. Started what earlier? You're busy eating your cream of wheat. It's dribbling down your chin. You don't even know what the hell's going on. You wanted witnesses and the impeachment trial. 
Started what earlier? You could have started earlier. You weren't prepared federally for a pandemic. There weren't any ventilators or respirators. There weren't PPEs to provide to incompetent governors like Cuomo and others. And here's the thing. This jerk's been in Washington, D.C. for over 44 years as a senator and then vice president of the United States. I would have done. You would have done what? You would have done what? You set up this bureaucracy of these scientists and these medical experts. Apparently, they were on their heels. He says, I would keep Dr. Fauci. Well, first of all, Trump hasn't gotten rid of Dr. Fauci. But Dr. Fauci's the guy that said, don't wear masks. Don't get masks. Now it's everywhere. Wear masks. Wear two masks. Five masks. Wear burkas. Do anything. Wear, wear trash bags. Cover yourself all the time. Dr. Fauci, with all due respect, I wouldn't hire him as my own doctor. Not to be provocative. You don't want to do six of one, half a dozen of the other. I'm not so sure. Ridiculous. So what's Biden? What are the big three ideas Biden? I would federally mandate that people wear masks. And I would have triggered the uh, national this, that, and the other act to nationalize the private sector. What would that have done? Would have turned what? GM and Ford into what? The Postal Service? I don't understand. Nationalize. Lame brain. And he said this was a war, did Trump. And then he left the battlefield. Has it left any battlefield? Look, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, and this is the trick always on the, on the radical left and the Democrats. There's a reality, and then there's a paradise. The Democrats always run on paradise. They never run on reality. Even though the reality is something they created, the system, the bureaucracy, the centralized government, their governors, their mayors, not prepared, they're not going to run on that. They're going to attack it, even if it's theirs, and they're going to run on paradise. If Trump had only done X, we'd be in paradise. If Trump had only only done, done Y, we'd be in paradise. If Trump had only done Z, we'd be in paradise. Thousands and thousands of people would be alive who aren't alive today. We wouldn't be going through this again. If only Trump wasn't there and Joe Biden was there. Then it would have gone swell. So their trick, their tactic, and there's enough morons out there to fall for this, is to say, this is what I would have done, which would have been nearly perfect. And yet, look what we're facing here with Trump. He just didn't know how to handle this. But I, Joba, I could have done this, but Trump did that. And that's the game they play. That's how they keep growing government. That's how they empower themselves. Just surrender more of your liberty. More of your resources, more of your decision-making to me, and I will create utopia. Quintessential Marxism. It's a soft Marxism, and this idiot doesn't even know it is Marxism, but it is. 
just surrender your individuality, surrender your decision making. I will mandate everybody's going to wear a mask. It's going to be kind of tough to eat, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Tough to drink? Now, there's some people who should walk around with masks all the time. Many of them are in Congress. Many of them are in Congress. Like, I think Nancy Pelosi should wear a mask. Don't spend all that money having your face rearranged. It's like John Kerry. I don't know what this guy did to his face. It's all screwed up now. As I tell you, it looks like he has mashed potatoes and applesauce in his forehead. Just keeps moving around. Nancy Pelosi looks like she has four eyebrows. May I say with all due respect, I don't know what's going on there. But a mask would be perfect. But not just the nose and the, the whole thing. A mask. But that's their big decision, lady. Everybody will wear a mask. We'll pass a federal law. Everybody's going to wear a mask. Or I'll just issue an executive order and compel it. Well, you know what's interesting? If they had done that on day one, there wouldn't have been enough masks. Why? For eight years, they didn't produce masks. The governors didn't have masks. The Chinese were hoarding masks. This is what I mean. There's a reality, and then there's BS. If everything is so swell with all these Democrat programs, why do we need more and more of them? Why do they need to get bigger and bigger? Why do they never have enough money? Why hasn't poverty been eliminated? Why isn't everybody a valedictorian? This is what they keep promising. Why don't we have the greatest health care system in the world now that we have Obamacare? Well, we do, but in spite of Obamacare. Just remember Venezuela, Cuba, and these other utopias that people fell for. And now they're, they're on their hands and knees looking for bugs to eat. They're eating their own domesticated animals. They're eating bark off trees. Just remember that, because you live in the greatest country on the face here. No thanks to Joe Biden. No thanks to Nancy Pelosi. No thanks to Chuck Schumer. These three clowns have been in Congress and in Washington, the three of them probably 150 years, 120 years, whatever it is. They never have anything good to say about this country or the people of this country. Never. That would have been a real stumper if one of these reporters had said to Biden, Can you name three things off the top of your head why capitalism is a good thing? Can you name three things off the top of your head why the American people are great? Can you name three things off the top of your head why the government that the framers created is the greatest? No, he can't. Once his handlers figure it out, he'll be all right. So Joe Biden wants to know... See, it's, it's a no-lose for him, he says. Number one, if the president didn't know, that's dereliction of duty. If he did know, that's dereliction of duty. Well, what if it wasn't competent intelligence, Joe? Doesn't matter. They're just going to assume it is and shove the issue. You got shift out there. Then the others, Nancy Pelosi, they are so power-hungry. It's unbelievable. They are so power-hungry. Why do they want all this power, ladies and gentlemen? To control you. What else are they going to do with the power? To control the country, to control the population, to control the neighborhood, to control the family, to control the individual. These are power-hungry people. They're not right. They're unhinged. 
They're insane. And they will do anything for power. And if they get power, they're going to try to destroy what's left of your constitution. They don't stand for freedom of association. They don't stand for peaceful protest. Remember what they did before the rioters? They went after people who were, who were not offending anything. They just decided they wanted their jobs back, and they wanted their lives back, and they wanted to open their businesses. You remember how you were treated? Remember what they said about the Tea Party? All of you are white supremacists and white privileged, even those of you who aren't white but don't agree with them. You're part of that, you know, genre of, of racists. They hate your guts. They despise you. Which is why they don't think you're capable of making decisions for yourself. I know many of you already know this and agree with me. But those of you who've been thinking about this aren't sure who you're going to vote for. Please pay attention to what I am telling you. This is pure and simple about power. And they intend to abuse you and abuse your lifestyle and abuse your family and abuse your church and your synagogue. They are serious about this. And you know what else they're talking about? Getting rid of the filibuster rule. So when they get power, they're going to ram through every damn thing they possibly can. You're not going to recognize this country. And that's the goal. And it started with Obama. It started before him, but Obama put a, uh, a word, uh, words to it. Fundamental transformation. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mr. Producer, it sound like I'm uh, copying anybody or stealing anything from anybody else? I don't even pay attention to it. People send me emails. I'm just too damn busy. It's important that I do my own thing my own way. These are unprecedented times, causing a lot of stress and financial worry. And being in debt to the IRS certainly makes matters worse. Thankfully, there's good news. Optima Tax Relief can help you resolve your tax debt over the phone and online. They've been a great sponsor because they've helped so many people. Don't go it along. Optima's tax professionals, and they are CPAs, tax lawyers, former IRS employees, they are good, and they can reduce the stress in your life by helping resolve your IRS problems from the comfort of your own home. Optima is America's most trusted tax resolution firm, having resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients, and they can help you too. You know, there used to be a lot of these firms bouncing around, but they didn't cut it. Optima has been around a long time. They've been a sponsor, helping you a long time. Because Optima's award-winning team is ready to help you online and over the phone, even during these uncertain times. And they'll stand between you and the IRS, and they will fight to get you the best deal possible. All it takes is a single call, one call, and you'll start the process. Optima's tax associates are standing by right now. Take the first step towards putting your tax problems to rest. Call now for a free consultation. A free consultation. It won't hurt, I promise. What will hurt is if you keep putting this off. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. You notice one other thing, folks? Donald Trump is who he is. And I happen to know him personally. I happen to know he's a wonderful, wonderful man. He really is. 
And they try and turn him into something he's not. They try to turn him into a racist. They try to turn him into an anti-Semite. They try to turn him into somebody who is lawless. Somebody who is, who is uh, mentally ill. He's none of these things. And we all know it. But they just keep pounding away, pounding away, pounding away. Because there are these people out there. I'm told. White women with college degrees. Right, Mr. Producer, in the suburbs? Who apparently don't get it. I don't know what they have their degrees in. It's according to the pollsters. I'm going, what? But Joe Biden, they have to also make him into somebody he, he is not. Joe Biden is not what they want you to think. He's not a moderate. He's not a statesman. He's not a level-headed guy. He's the worst of the worst. Ask the Bob Bork family. Ask the Clarence Thomas family. Yeah, ask a lot of those families. Listen to what Kamala Harris said originally about Joe Biden. She was right. All of that, they'll pretend that doesn't. They'll broom that too. Joe Biden is a dumb, nasty Washington hanger-on. He'll be a very, very old man if he's president of the United States, and he'll be worse off than he is now. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. So, I've been wondering... I haven't communicated this to you, but I've been thinking about this. You wear this mask, right? Now, we human beings, we inhale oxygen. We exhale CO2, carbon dioxide. Now, as a side point, the EPA has determined that carbon dioxide is very unhealthy. Creates global warming, global cooling, climate change, you know, whatever. A thousand things. So you have to limit the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, right, Mr. Producer? Because it's not good for you, right? It's not good for you. So even though it's not a pollutant, they've been acting like it's a pollutant. And the Supreme Court, in an infamous case, acts like it's a pollutant. In Massachusetts versus the EPA. In effect, that's what it did. Now I'm going to mention this. Now you're going to see it take off, I hope, tomorrow. Let me give the backbenchers permission to raise this. But here's the thing. You're wearing this mask. You're inhaling oxygen because these, these masks, they, they, they make that possible. They're not solid. You're exhaling CO2, but you're also inhaling a lot of what you've just exhaled. You're inhaling a lot of CO2, your own CO2. <clears throat> which is supposed to be bad for the environment, bad for the atmosphere. Right, Rich? So I looked this up. 
course, I can't rely on Dr. Fauci. Everybody wear masks. Before, nobody wear a mask. You don't need a mask. Everybody wear a mask. Well, Mark, surgeons wear masks. No, no. They wear masks during surgery. They don't wear masks all the time. When they're walking around outside. I wear the mask a lot, I must confess, because I don't know if the jerk next to me has a problem or not. It's no big deal to me. And it's no thanks to Fauci either. I got these masks. I got these masks when Fauci was telling us not to get masks. It's like Obama with the, uh, with the AR-15, Mr. Producer. I didn't need one. I wanted one after he said no. Anyway, let's go on here. So I'm looking at this site, South Medic. Carbon dioxide is a gas the body naturally produces as waste. We breathe in oxygen, as we know, to fuel organs and tissues, and the end product is CO2, carbon dioxide. The balance between these two gases is required for a healthy body. However, when we breathe CO2, it can have harmful and sometimes dangerous effects on the body. When CO2 levels are elevated in the body, it is known as, I'm, I'm reading with one eye here, hypercapnia, or capnia, hypercapnia. Hypercapnia can occur for a number of reasons, one of which is rebreathing our own exhaled CO2. Rebreathing CO2 can lead to increased blood pressure, headaches, muscle twitches, maybe that's Nancy Pelosi's problem. Rapid heart rate, chest pain, confusion, and fatigue. And in extreme cases, if left untreated, hypercapnia can lead to organ damage and even have long-standing effects on the brain, Mr. Producer. Well, what am I to make of this? What are we all to make of this? I mean, should there be labels on our... Masks, Mr. Producer? You watch the slip and fall. Laura's just heard this. All around Florida and these other states, on these billboards, you see these disgusting, ambulance-chasing, buffoonish lawyers. Anyway, it's a whole other story. Which one day I want to get into. So the question on the table is, is inhaling your own carbon dioxide, CO2, unhealthy? Because let me tell you something. You're inhaling a crap load of it. I was on a plane this morning, and the planes are so clean right now. I mean, none of you fly. I'll just keep doing it to visit a family member over the weekend. And you got to wear the mask on there, which is fine. I don't want some jerk next to me, you know, hawking up something, and then I, uh, then I wind up in the ICU. You know, but, uh, but, but still, you're inhaling this stuff. And you're inhaling a lot of it, despite what they say. It's just common sense. It's not just in the atmosphere in large amounts. No, no. It's in your face and you're sucking it. I foresee issues later. Legal issues and potentially medical issues that will be said to have occurred as a result of Fauci and company. Wear the mask. First, don't wear the mask. Now wear the mask. Now wear the mask whenever you go out. And this is the problem with Biden and the, and the Marxist mentality. 
we're going to pass a federal law where everybody has to wear a mask when they're outside or when they're with other people. Federal law. And by the way, this is the problem, right? Then you have the cops or the feds enforce it. Then you get into another situation, like some guy selling a cigarette or something. And all of a sudden, look at this, police harassment. Look at this. This is what the left-wing politicians do. They create all these laws that are annoying. I'm not talking about serious laws. All these little laws where they want to control every minute aspect of your life. And then they blame the cops when the cops are... You mean you shot a guy over that? Well, shot a guy over No, you shot a guy in the back over that? I heard this idiot senator, yes. I didn't lose my place. This carbon dioxide thing has me a little concerned because nobody's talking about it. What else aren't they talking about? Go look at the Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. I have these little Mark Levin says, you know, like Confucius says things up there because they're important, I think. Look at the lies you're getting. They're back to the charts on TV. Have you noticed this, Mr. Producer? The number of cases, the number of people affected. Oh, here we go again. Still, the definition of death related to the coronavirus is ambiguous. People are throwing a lot of things in there. I don't know what percentage of that is. What's not on the chart is the CDC number for the mortality rate, which is 0.263%, which is minuscule. What's not on the chart is that almost 50% of those who have died as a result of this horrendous virus are elderly in nursing homes and assisted living homes who already had other morbidities, but some of them were just frail. And you can blame a lot on that, on Cuomo and other governors. What does that have to do with the president? And I notice, I notice the Democrats want to investigate everything but Cuomo. Everything but quote. Biden's out there today. He wants an investigation. It's a dereliction of duty. New phrase he learned. Dereliction of duty. Dereliction. He goes back. See, I told you I can get it right. Dereliction of duty. Well, what about Cuomo's dereliction of duty? He affirmatively sent sick people in with the elderly. No, no, no. That's, that's Trump's fault. We're going to get a hearing in the House? No. How about a hearing in the Senate? No, they're all asleep in the Senate. They're very busy in the Senate. I don't know what the hell they do in the Senate, but they're very busy. But you're not going to get any hearings on Cuomo. You got half-cocked intel that's put out there by the New York Times. Somebody's leaking. Nobody knows if it's right or not, but apparently the Pentagon never heard of it. That's a scandal. But Cuomo and thousands of people dying on his watch, in part due to the fact of his outrageous policy, which we called him out on back in March. No hearings. No, no, Cuomo's, he's good. I mean, he handled this. My, we've never seen anybody handle anything so beautifully as Cuomo. Moron. But back to my point. We still don't know today, and this is in my post, how many more people have died of cancer, of strokes, of heart attacks, of suicide, as a result of the stay-at-home dictate of these various governors. How many? Where is it? They have a lot more data. Why aren't they presenting that to us? Because it would provide some kind of balance that they don't want you to have. Trump! Trump! My God, Trump! He's a general and he left the battlefield. What's wrong? Dereliction of duty! Dereliction of duty here. Should have known. If he didn't know, he would have known. He could have known. He would have known. You know what they're doing, Mr. Jackie Mason? 
Biden today was doing a Jackie Mason. Only Jackie Mason could do Jackie Mason. If he didn't know, it's a dereliction of duty. If he didn't know, it's a dereliction of duty. If they didn't tell him, it's a dereliction of duty. And then if he did know, and it wasn't right, that he was doing Jackie Mason today. But back to this point. How many people have died from heart attacks and strokes and diabetes or committed suicide who might not have otherwise died if people were going into the hospital, going into the emergency room? Oh, elective. You can't take an elective. What, you got to actually have a heart attack in order to go? You have an issue that might be an issue you want to raise, you want to get your... No, we don't do elective stuff today. What are you talking about? We don't do elective stuff. Why? Because Joe Biden said uh, he's going to figure, wear masks and stay at home. Wear masks and stay at home. That's how we're going to fight the virus. Wear a mask. Stay. Oh, and nationalize the private sector. Joe Biden's three-point plan. Still not too late for Trump to do Wear masks, stay at home, nationalize the private sector. Oh, that'll fix it. Sounds like North Korea. All right, I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you would think with all the publicity and hundreds of millions of dollars that's pouring into Black Lives Matter and the NBA, it's going to paint BLM on the sidelines and the basketball courts in Orlando. And what a fantastic group this is that, that investigative reporters would actually find out, well, what exactly is this group? Scott Walker is the head muckety-muck of the Capital Research Center, which is America's investigative think tank. They are terrific. They really do follow the money. And they've taken a very close look at uh, Black Lives Matter. And I want to invite, I invited uh, Scott on. He wrote a great piece that we'll link to later. Scott, how are you, sir? Great to be here. It's my pleasure. Well, tell us, the title of the piece is A Terrorist's Ties to a leading Black Lives Matter group. Tell us what you're talking about. Sure, it's simple. You go to blacklivesmatter.com, you click Donate. First, it takes you to something called Axe Blue Charities. You give them your money, and then they give it to something called Thousand Currents, which is another left-wing nonprofit. And then supposedly that group passes it on to the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. It's real simple, right? They, they, they like transparency on the left. Uh, but the but let's, current- let's slow down. Let's slow. Down. So basically, it's gone through three groups' hands already. 
Yes. All right. Yes. So uh, when it the the Thousand Currents nonprofit uh, has been around for some years, and it exists to do pass-throughs like this, and it is the pass-through for the largest of the Black Lives Matter groups, the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, and. On the board of Thousand Currents as vice chairman is a little lady called Susan Rosenberg. You have a simple uh, term for her. She's a convicted domestic terrorist. She was serving 16 of her years out of her 58-year sentence when Bill Clinton pardoned her on his last day in office. And she is a real piece of work. She went to Barnard College. So as usual, this doesn't come from actual poor suffering people. It comes from uh, badly educated college types, uh, and she was underground for years, blowing things up and the rest. When they finally caught her, she had a mere 740 pounds of explosives on her, plus various guns and the rest. And uh, her cause is the overthrow of the United States? Yes. The, uh, as, as she said at her capture, we're caught, but we're not defeated. Long lived the armed struggle. And Bill Clinton pardoned her? On his last day of office, along with Mark Rich and a lot of other fine folks. He had a tendency, uh, as did Obama, actually, to pardon domestic terrorists, didn't they? Yeah, it's impressive. Very impressive. All right. Now, back to this this Rosenberg. So she sits on one of these middle organizations where the money's washed through that gets to Black Lives Matter Global? Exactly. Are you the first person to raise this, as far as I can tell? Almost the first person. I think there was somebody before us, um, but uh, uh, it's gotten precious little coverage in any mainstream media outlet for some reason. Has it been picked up by the New York Times or Washington Post? Nope. Nobody remotely like that. A few of the conservative outlets, and that's it. How about CNN and MSNBC? Uh, I'll return their call as soon as I get it, but not yet. So typically, you're being being ignored. You're being sidelined. Exactly, but not by Thousand Currents, because when a conservative reporter called them, instantly they took down their board of directors page. Ah, transparency. Exactly. All right, so this this Black Lives Matter really is sort of a weather underground organization, isn't it, of the 1960s variety? The, well, the three founders, uh, you know, the, the, one of the three founders famously said a few years ago, you know, we're all trained Marxists here. Right. And... They're getting a lot of money. Well, of course, because of their lack of transparency, you can't tell exactly, but it's certainly in the millions already. And they're getting it from corporations, from athletes, from leftists, right? Yep, and from, of course, left-wing foundations like uh, the Kellogg Foundation gave them about a million dollars to start chapters around the country. You know, I know about the Kelloggs. I know about some of these, uh, these early entrepreneurs. They would be shocked how their money's being used. Doesn't this happen to a lot of these wealthy uh, folks who die and they have these foundations and they're taken over by leftists? Happens constantly. If it, it, it's, no conservative should ever set up a perpetual foundation, period. And give us an example. It's Kellogg, uh, Ford Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation. These are the big ones, right? Yep. The uh, Open Society is given to Black Lives Matter groups. Um, and they're ones you've never even heard of, like Novo, you've probably never heard of. But you've heard of the guy whose money it is, Peter Buffett. That'd be the son of Warren. What is with these, these billionaires who have demonstrated success in a capitalist open society that hate the same country that's, that they've benefited from? 
What is it with these people? I think you have to have a religious explanation, right? You know, Catholics have the confessional, and uh, Jews have their days of atonement. And, but these people, apparently, the only thing they can do is write a check. Well, it's, it's really quite shocking, because uh, the very system that they benefited from, they fund these radical... I, I have to believe, and I don't know firsthand, that at some point the FBI and other organizations are taking a close look at this, don't you think? Well, I, I certainly hope so, but, I mean, I, I don't have any evidence of that. Uh, you know, the FBI's had its problems lately. Mostly peaceful. Well, I don't think BLM is mostly peaceful, do you? No, not, not the leadership. Absolutely not. All right, Scott. Scott Walter, uh, we want to thank you very, very much. You and your group, Capital Research Center, do a fantastic job. We will post this, and my best to you. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Mark. All right, Mr. Producer, let's go ahead and post this article. Uh, And folks, see what I mean? You're the enemy. It used to be even in the 60s that the media would report about the Weather Underground and these other organizations that were armed, that were violent, that were Marxist in orientation. They would at least report it, but not anymore because the media are down with the struggle. They're part of the resistance. And this is why we must elect this president and, frankly, hold the Republican Senate and elect a Republican House and turn the tables on these people. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. The decision in the Supreme Court today that was shockingly close. Shocking and close. And it basically comes down to this. Whether religious schools can participate in school choice. Now, I thought this was pretty much decided some time ago. Now, keep something in mind. We've talked about this before many times. The money follows the student. So, in other words, if a student decides, you know, under under these plans, or the parents decide with the student or for the student that the the local government school is not for the kid. Maybe it's crime-ridden. Maybe it's just not very good. Maybe it's not run well. Maybe they don't have courses that they... Okay. So what's happened in some of these states is they have these discriminatory laws. 
okay, you can choose a charter school, you can choose a private school, you can choose this or that, but you can't choose any school that has a religious affiliation. Why not? Separation of church and state. Show me where separate, first of all, just as a a, a factual matter, show me where separation of church and state is in the Constitution. It's not. It's not in the Constitution. It's just not. Now look at your First Amendment. Basically, the free exercise of religion. And then there's also the part where they don't want to impose religion, a theocracy on society. So how is sending your kid to a religious school, rather than the government school, with not even the same amount of funds, maybe 70% of the funds, how is that establishing a religion? Well, of course it's not. But we don't even have to go that far. The money follows the student. The money follows the student. And in this case, it's actually private money, but I don't even need to go there. The money follows the student. The decision was five to four, overturning the Montana Supreme Court that said no, that it is an unconstitutional establishment of religion to send your kid to a school that has some kind of a religious connection. It's outrageous. And John Roberts wrote the majority opinion. He said, well, at least he did that. Look, John Roberts has no jurisprudential uh, framework anymore. He's all over the map. And I'm glad this went the right way. But it went the right way by the skin of its teeth. It should have been a 9-0 decision. Or with Ginsburg, maybe 8-1. It's not even controversial. And you notice how on these tough cases, you know, we always get these statistics. Well, you know, the... uh, the liberal justices are often vote with the girl. Look, a 48, 48, 37, 92. On the big cases that matter to most of you, they pretty much hold firm. They are a, uh, an iron wall of leftists. They're not liberals. They're activists. They don't uphold the Constitution. They don't faithfully interpret the Constitution. They are result-oriented leftists dressed up as judges. In this case, justices. That's what they are. That's what the whole book Men in Black is about, my first book. And uh, John Roberts is sort of a, uh, well, he's constantly transitioning. Can I put it that way, Mr. Producer? He can't decide. Not on genitalia, obviously. He can't decide, oh, today I'll do this, tomorrow I'll do this. It's the worst, the, the worst kind of mindset if you're going to be a justice. You're unpredictable. That's not a good thing when you have parties in a country that are relying on predictability. That is upholding the Constitution of the United States. Is that too much to ask? Apparently it is. So he got this one mostly right. He'll get others mostly wrong. He got this one mostly right. But the fact that it's a five to four decision should really cause you to shake your heads. The left almost always wins on these cultural so-called cases. On these liberty cases, the left almost always wins because the court has decided to nationalize these issues. Why? I don't know why. There's only a handful of them. Why, why should they? But here's the problem. We shouldn't be sitting on the edge of our seats every June waiting for the court to, to burp up its decisions and hope it does the right thing. By one vote, the school choice program in Montana is constitutional. By one vote, it might have been unconstitutional. That's ridiculous. 
It's ridiculous. But that's what happened. All right, Mr. Producer, do we have a superb and exceptional phone caller out there that I should talk to? And if so, what is his or her name and where are they from? Ryan in the Netherlands on the Mark Levin app. Uh, Ryan, how are you in the Netherlands? Hi, Mark. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I'm are you well, guys man. systemically racist over there? I'm just curious. It, the the discussion is uh, going uh, here as well with the Dutch colonial yes. past. So yes, yes. Uh, it is a topic. All right. Um, well, listen, thanks for taking my call. I, I'm you, you bet. I'm following question. Yes. Um, that is... Um, By the way, what time is it over there? It's uh, 2.30 in the morning, going on 3 in the morning. Well, thank you. You're good. You know, when I was a kid, I used to do this. I used to call into a talk show, The Little Rascals, with my buddy was the, uh, was the host there, Bill Corsair. Oh. And, I, and I called 2, 3 in the morning. Anyway, I, I enjoyed it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's all right. Thanks a lot, though. Um, I'm wondering, do you think, is there room constitutionally, or at least according to the FDR precedent, uh, for the administration to institute price controls, and but to do it on college and university tuition? Um, after all, that would perhaps give some relief to the American people. It would perhaps um, cut off some uh, funding from academia and um, perhaps, uh, you know, prevent any kind of student debt forgiveness, which I think would be the most pernicious uh, thing that could possibly happen. Uh, what do you think? Is there, is there an FDR? First of all, this is a fa- fascinating point. And we've had wage and price controls. We had them, I believe it was under Gerald Ford. I think they're of constitutional. Uh, I do not believe they're constitutional, but it's been done. And it was also done, you're right, during the New Deal. Uh, so the Constitution has been bastardized in this effect. Now, as a general matter, I don't support that sort of thing. But this is a fascinating idea. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to jump in with both feet uh, because, it's, again, it's, it's big government stuff. But what you're saying is very fascinating to me because, first of all, the problem is most of these, these schools are state-oriented, not federal-oriented. On the other hand, if they take federal funds the way the left does this, then the federal government can mandate all kinds of stuff, which is what it does. So you're saying the fact that it mandates the, the federal government, you got student loans, you got the uh, GI Bill, you got direct money going into these colleges, so they can just tie all this money to, okay, great. Rather than maybe yeah. price controls, let me ask you this. The government could say, the federal government say, if you want our money, then you can't charge more than this. So that's not really direct price controls. If you take our money, then it's a contract. These are the conditions. Yeah, that sounds more feasible. Yeah, exactly. That's a fascinating suggestion. Oh, thank you. Right. All right. I'm glad I could get it on the table on this forum. Now, you sound like an American. No, I'm an American. I I went overseas in the early 90s to escape college tuition. (laughs) What the hell are you doing in the Netherlands? What's going on over there? Um, I worked in finance for 20 years. Now I'm a translator. I'm married. have a daughter. Oh, oh, you married a Netherlander? I married a Belgian woman. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, God bless you, man. And, th- and how are you listening to me? Um, I, I usually listen to you on, on the podcast. And, uh, you know, today it's just via the app, the Mark Levin app. So Excellent. All right, man. God bless you. Be safe. That's a fascinating idea, Mr. Producer. Not direct wage and price controls, but if you seek money, if you want federal funds, then you need to get your expenses and your charges under control. I'm starting to like that idea. I got a noodle over that. What do you think, Rich?
I, I don't want to be a big government leftist, though. But there are always conditions applied to the money, right? You've got to do this. You have to have a percentage of that. You got Okay, well, let's do it this way. Let's use what you've instituted as sort of a, a, a bully technique. And okay, you need to limit what you charge for tuition. You need to limit uh, your expenses and so forth. That is in some ways appealing to me. Again, I need to really think this through. That was an excellent call. That was an excellent call. Let's get another one, Rich. You did a great job, Richie Rich. Andy, WABC in New York, go. Mark Levin, I've been calling for years to get through to you. Thank you, sir. from Sundays my mother found you. Boy, that's a long time ago. Yeah, well, we like to pick stars out before they make it big, and you were the man. Thank you, sir. But maybe we could tie this all back to Sharpton. Yeah. Because the lefties, they love to hijack things like causes because they make their money that way. And my favorite piece of tape was when he used to play Sharpton when he was doing his MSNBC show. That oh, yeah, crazy. when he got all that confused. Oh, we- Listen, I'll play the second best thing I have because I think Mr. Producer has that in our special vault. Right, Rich? Wouldn't you? All right. Just for you, is your mom still with us? It reminded me of Clinton when he was like, duh, 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 is it E and it. All right, I'm going to play this for you and the whole... I promised it yesterday anyway. Uh, let me play this. And thank you for your call, my brother. And God bless you. And thanks for listening for such, such a sustained period of time. Here's my collection. As I say, it's one of my hobbies of the mumblers, I call them. And most of them are Democrats. Some of them are, you know, drunks. Who knows? Go ahead. What are they? Can they get a funding? The ghost track? They have an idea. It costs when, if you, they just gave, you gave them. With the, the withdrawal, bringing U.S. home troops from home. And, and, and the, the, the. You know, you know, you, 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 you need somebody. Wait, so, uh, what, finally, what? And, uh, um. But resist, we much, we must, and we will much about that be committed. I, 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 I'm, I'm a warrior. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, that, it was, the, 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 I mean, they, 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 they said that. Look, the, 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 yeah, the, I was a strip. Was it him? Well, I, 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 I didn't. If, 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 if we, if we, you know, it, it uh, you know, it, 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 it. We can walk and chew gum. Mr. Producer, we have to add Biden and the thing there. When he gets the declaration, you know the thing. Just to kind of bring it up to election time. I'll be right back. Mud Lovin'. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right. Very quickly, I just posted something. This is the the gentleman who lost his 19-year-old son in this uh in this gulag in uh, Seattle. Uh I feel bad Horace Lorenzo Anderson, the father of the 19-year-old black teen shot and killed inside this gulag. And he's extremely distraught. He's trying to keep from crying and he says he he just can't stop. And he said, this, this has to end. The National Guard needs to come in. This, is, this isn't a protest. He said they should deploy them here to say, man, it's time to go home. It's time to move on and break this up. And the police chief wants to do that. And the mayor is holding them up. Democrats. Elections matter. And they cost people their lives. Another caller. We've had good callers. Anthony in New York, the great WABC. Anthony, go. Hello, sir. Thank you for taking my call. You got it. Um, You're just an absolute genius. Uh, Your attention to detail is unparalleled. I've been listening to you since uh, Trump got on the escalator, and that's how long I've been a follower. Um, Thank you. I'll make my point point quick because uh, I know time is valuable. I believe, especially being in the Democratic prison of New York, it appears people like Chuck Schumer, AOC, and all these big mouth Maxine Waters and whatnot, they all get their point out when they get onto the, the airwaves and the New York slime puts out their garbage and trash. And then people read the headlines. And then when the retractions are printed, there's nothing. You know, it's all crickets. There's, uh, Republicans are nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. There's no pushback whatsoever. The only place I'm getting any pushback is my conservative shows, such as you, Rush Limbaugh, and, and what have you. Mm. I believe it. we have a voice. I, I voted for Trump because we all have a, 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 a voice. And, and why aren't they using it? Why isn't anybody in the Republican Party pushing? I mean, I see, you know, Jim Jordan, he gets up there, Trey Gowdy. From time the to time. conservatives within the party are a minority, but they are patriots. The rhinos in the party speak out, but they speak out against the president. And this is very, very problematic when you have Romney and the others who are doing this. So the Democrats don't have this problem. They don't have a fifth column within their party, a weak underbelly. We do. We do. And so um, this is a problem, but we're not going to be able to rely on the Republican Party. It's going to have to be us, millions and millions and millions of us, getting our family and friends and colleagues and neighbors to vote. We've got time to do it, but we've got to do it. Thank you for your wonderful call. We salute our armed forces, police officers. Hang in there, guys and gals. 
uh, emergency personnel, and, of course, our firefighters. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless each and every one of you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.